Well, hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Wired In. I'm your host, Blake Johnson, alongside my host, co-host, Spencer Cole. Spencer, how's it going today? Hello, hello. Yeah, I'm um, I'm doing all right. I'm having a pretty good weekend so far, you know. Just been uh, hanging out as you do. Yes, yes. Yes, and we're now broadcasting from the great states of Arkansas and Missouri. Spencer and I are much closer than we've ever been, and it's a we beautiful are, it's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful as a thing. brand, we are much more regionally strong now. So, yes, you know. <laughs> yes, yep. After uh, I don't know what three three weeks going on a month of uh, living here now. But we've uh, finally moved back to the Ozarks, and it's going pretty well. We've unpacked most of the stuff that we have, so it's a pretty good living situation, and I'm just glad to be out of the Dakotas. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was uh, going to say, I bet, uh, I bet you will not uh, miss winters up there. No, no, I will not. Uh, although I, I I picked an interesting time to move back to the Springfield area what, with the, the COVID situation going crazy right now <laughs> yeah i was uh i was curious i heard, like i um uh, i vaguely heard some um some stuff going on up there about some some places shutting down and everything um yeah so overall it's it's i mean pretty much operating like normal um i think actually the numbers are starting to go down as far as the infection rate i haven't looked at the official st- stats on that but Mm -hmm. it seems like it's starting to turn a corner but it's still bad i mean i mean there's still like mercy and cox and places like that are still being Mm -hmm. overrun with uh patients and uh, it's kind of interesting too because i guess the vaccination rate in green county which is springfield was like 30 some percent and now it was i think the last thing i saw the other day was like 50 percent um, yeah, I think I think statewide here uh, in Arkansas is like thirty eight percent. So it's 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 pretty low pretty low over where we're at as well. Yeah, yeah. I actually um, so I got I got my first shot of Pfizer. I think I mentioned that in the last podcast that I was probably mm-hmm. gonna go ahead and get it. So I got my first dose on well, it was the Sunday after we moved back. So it was just literally a couple days later when we got here, and then. I was so I, I was scheduled to get it on Sunday, um, just like yesterday or whenever whenever this podcast airs, Sunday, the most recent Sunday. But I was like, well, I mean, I've heard that people that get the second dose, especially if they've not had COVID, and as far as I know, I haven't had it yet, really start to feel like crap after the second dose, and I just I. I I've got a, I'm pretty sure anyway, that I have a three day weekend coming up this week with Labor Day. So I'd rather get it on a Friday. And then if I start feeling bleh, I can get over it during the weekend rather than try to power through at work. So, yeah. yeah. So, like I did, so I did the second one of Moderna. And uh, I will say, at least for Moderna, I don't know. I've heard Pfizer's a little bit um better in terms of just overall like symptoms and stuff but but uh the second dose of for of moderna for me was pretty terrible it took me it took me a day to um mm. granted fortunately it was just a day yeah because uh, i've heard some people had like 
problems going on for multiple days on end but um but for me it was just like a day but um but even so it's nothing too um out of the realm of what you typically experience whenever you you uh receive some type of inoculation or or a vaccine of some sort mm-hmm. but but yeah you you definitely will want to have a day where you know you're not going to be doing anything um yeah <laughs> because it um because you know i really just want to get it done and just get it over with um but at the same time i know how poorly i do when i am not feeling well because i rarely get sick so when i do get even just a, a bad cold i'm like i i'm done i i'm in bed all day i just don't want to do anything certainly don't want to go to work so i'm like well yeah i mean i I might as well just wait until, you know, they said I could do it within a week of the day I'm supposed to get the second shot. So I'm like, okay, I'll just mm-hmm. do it Friday. So fingers crossed, it should go fine. I've not had any history of heart issues or anything like that. I guess there's been some cases of uh, heart, like, murmurs or whatever. Um, but I think that's pretty rare. And from my understanding, it's it's typically with people that have, like, a pre-existing condition so i've never had any issues getting vaccines before so i think i'll be fine pretty confident i'll be fine but yeah but anyway it's um it's really interesting because i've i think the only person i've told outside of like my wife is is my mom and she's not a big fan um (laughs) i've not like i'm not like one of those people that's that just wants to post all over social media. Hey, look at me, you know. Yeah, um, because it's, I mean, like, yeah, it's a vaccine. Like, yeah. So what? <laughs> no one, no one does that with the flu shot. Hey, look at me, I got a flu shot. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, it's um, because a lot of it's just become so, um, like, incredibly politically weaponized in terms of just, um, you know, like it, it's it's just become so insane to even like. What should just be a trivial, like, you know, really, like, a really menial task has become this grandiose talking issue. And, um, and yeah, so it's, like, so to me, like, I think we both kind of fall in that same camp. It was just, like, who who cares? Like, Mm -hmm. if you get it, cool. If not, then, you know, whatever. That's that's your prerogative. Um. Yeah, you and I don't really fit well into the two major camps of uh, you. You either have to get it, or you are trying to kill people, or if uh, if you do get it, you're gonna die, and you're just a puppet for the government, kind of a thing. <laughs> it's what like we're, we're not about? really we engage, either engage one of those. <laughs> we engage in all sorts of tribalism. What do you mean? <laughs> yeah, tribalism <laughs> for days, man. Yeah, I know, right? So, yeah. So, and I don't know if you've seen the, uh, I don't think it was like a big news story. It was, I, I saw it in some like conservative circles, but there was this, there was this like push to try this, I think you pronounce it ivermectin. And it's a. I think, I think that's right. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's so, um, so it's basically a, it's been approved for a long time, but it's been approved as like a deworming, um, medicine for like animals. And I guess they've done like a human version of it, but it's like, 
uh, some people are like getting it mixed up or they're getting the wrong kind or they're, you know, and it's like, it's, it's not been approved for uh, fighting a virus. So, you know, and I see some of the people that are, that are pushing it out there are the same people that are so skeptical of the CDC and rightly so. I don't mind being skeptical Mm -hmm. of them, but like there's, they're so skeptical of these guys, yet they're willing to try this, this, this random thing that's not meant for what they're using it for. And they're like, Oh, I feel fine after taking it, you know, a day or two later, it's like, guys, there's there's just so much stupid going around these days. Well, it's interesting how the timetable has kind of uh, changed throughout the course of, you know, the development of the vaccine, right? Because, um, because it originally started off whenever, Whenever Pfizer and Moderna were first working on a vaccine, um, you know, a lot of the Republican base, you know, especially the the hardcore Trump loyalists, were super on board with taking the the vaccine, and a lot of the Democrat circles were incredibly skeptical skeptical of the vaccine, you know, um, trying to say that there there hasn't been a lot of research and um, and studies done on the the potential side effects and the, the the long-lasting ramifications of getting the vaccine, and then it seemed like whenever Biden took the helm of mandating the uh, the dis- distribution of the vaccines, suddenly it's the camps switched. It's like we kind of traded sentiments across the the party lines. It's like it, it's it's really bizarre to, to kind of see how it unfold and, and like you've said uh to see the republicans kind of because even when trump held a, a he, trump actually held a rally recently and he was um trying to uh encourage people to get the vaccine right and a lot mm-hmm. of his audience booed him wow his audience booed him whenever he um encouraged them to get the vaccine and uh i it was really interesting to see because i'm like Man, does does Trump have a limit in terms of because, for the most part, and th- and this is something that I've kind of um, really kind of more like experienced on my end, but it seems kind of like the Republican Party has become the party of Trump more or less, um, and it but it but it was interesting to see them kind of rail against um, him encouraging the vaccine. Yeah, it, it is an interesting change of events, really, from what we're used to seeing. Because, I mean, you know, especially during the 2016 campaign and throughout his presidency, really, I mean, the, the Trump loyalists were just that loyal. I mean, they, they, they were there mm-hmm. through thick and thin. Even if he said or did something that was contradictory to what you would normally expect, especially during the campaign, uh, for a Republican candidate, uh, you know, his loyalists were like, well, I mean, it's better than Hillary. It's better. And, you know, they just make all kinds of excuses. But the, with this, for some reason, the, those same people don't want to hear any because, I mean, it's not the first time that he's promoted getting the vaccine. He's done it quite mm-hmm. a, quite a bit, even after his presidency. And I mean, for one thing, you're not really seeing that promoted through the mainstream media as outside of Fox. But uh, even even when it's promoted on like even if he does an interview on Fox and he s- says the same thing, I mean people just are not receptive to it. And I mean it could just be that 
you know, people's distrust of Fauci, of the CDC, of just government in general is just that, just that more powerful than their love for Trump. Um, I don't know. It's, it's, it's something that I'd be curious to kind of get into the psyche of some of these people is like, why, why won't you? listen to what he says like even he can't convince you so it's kind of kind of strange but yeah well, well again i think it's i think it's because i don't think it's necessarily more about the issue itself but rather the having to adhere to sticking to the the tri- the, the the mindset of the tribe right mm-hmm. um because th- that's all this is Kind of, for the most part, primarily been about, and uh, and and speaking of things that people have have not been receptive to, uh, <laughs> that it there was a recent report. Uh, this is somewhat shifting topics, but there was a recent report that the uh, Biden administration uh, released a list of names of American citizens, green card green card holders, and. Uh, informants and translators that help that have helped the um american military uh to the taliban mm-hmm. and and you're starting to see now um that even people even people on the left are calling for biden's impeachment and i'm curious what what your thoughts are on that and the what if there are any uh you know, any huge ramifications with a potential Biden uh, impeachment. Yeah, and, you know, I've not delved too deeply into what the left is saying, like, in great detail about why, you know, they're, they're opposed of opposition to Biden and even some calling for his impeachment. I, I've seen I've seen some, mostly bloggers um, and, like, you know, podcast hosts and blue check marks on Twitter saying that, oh, you're cheapening the word impeachment. And, you know, did uh, did did George W. Bush resign after 9-11? Did FDR resign after Pearl Harbor? But it's like okay, those are two, yeah. two totally different <laughs> issues because for one thing, George W. Bush didn't hand over um, – you know everything to Al Qaeda after 9/11, and FDR yeah, whole, didn't hand whole... over everything to the Japanese, and after after Pearl Harbor, that that's exactly. you know, Biden straight up was like, hey, you know, let's let's partner with the Taliban and and yeah, this was lean a on conscious them. decision. This was a conscious decision to collaborate with the Taliban versus a surprise attack on Pearl Harbor or a surprise attack on 9-11. Again, they knew something was going to happen, but they didn't know when, they didn't know where, they didn't know by who. Like, the, again, they had some bits of information here and there, but in terms of the big picture, they didn't know when those events were going to happen or mm-hmm. who they were going to happen to. And, uh, and of course, the whole Bush did 9-11 conspiracy theory conspiracy theory is just that it is a conspiracy theory there's very little very little evidence to uh cooperate that bush had anything to do with 9-11 yeah uh, despite what a lot of these crazy uh alt-left conspiracy theorists come up with um 
well, and even even members on the uh, uh, hardcore, uh, I guess alt right or maybe even even like some the Alex Jones types. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, I, we'll delve even deeper into this Afghanistan thing in just a second. But as far as like going back to what you were asking about the psyche behind calling for Biden's impeachment, I would I would venture to say that most on on the left and maybe not maybe when i say on the left i'm referring more to like the the talking heads and the elite maybe uh, i'm not quite sure what the average democrat voter thinks but i i mean i i thought i'd seen a poll that just came out recently where biden's approval rating is below 50 percent yes Um, it is very low so uh, like obviously it's not just republicans and conservatives that aren't happy with biden it's independents and democrats Mm -hmm. so you know i think i think as far as the average democrat goes there the average democrat voter and i'm trying to be generous here um they don't just because they voted for biden doesn't mean that they will just stick by him no matter what. There are things that are just so obvious that he's been screwing up. And the biggest thing right now is the Afghanistan situation. Um, but I, I mean, from the people that I've seen, and again, I know Twitter is not America, but I've seen so many people making excuses for what Biden's been doing. And honestly, what on Twitter? Yeah. No. And honestly, <laughs> this is just something that is just so nauseating because we see it on both sides. I mean, we saw it with everything Trump did. He could do no wrong. Um, mm-hmm. You know, no matter it, whether it was right or wrong, his his people on the right would just make excuses for it, you know, all day and all night long. And the same thing happens. I mean, you know, remember how massive of a story it was when the the pictures and the stories were coming out about the border crisis under Trump and the kids in cages, mm-hmm. and you no know, one wanted to talk about you know the fact that Obama did it, and not just not not just that he did it, but that he did it ten times worse, mm-hmm. or that there- Trump moved to end it. Um, or at least tried, or at least tried to end it. But like, we have a border crisis right now and it seems to be getting covered up by much of the same sources that were so ready to hop on and torch Trump for it. You know, it's all politics really. It's just people, people in those circles, in the elite circles, especially, they don't care about actually getting the truth out to people. They just, they have this narrative this agenda that they have to get out and honestly i think it's a big part of why biden got elected in the first place is because these elites really carried the water for him and he didn't have to campaign mm-hmm. biden didn't have to go anywhere or do anything he just he you know the only time he showed up really was to debate trump and unfortunately trump like he does just jumped in and made himself look like the bad guy and so <laughs> yeah, yeah which it kind of worked whenever he did it with Hillary because Hillary Hillary was just so unlikable. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, like, I mean, when you he- had both of them next to each other, it was like it, Hillary still somehow, in some way, be, was less charismatic and funny than Trump was. Um, but yeah, no, I, I I completely agree. And 
you know, really and truly, Kamala knew, um, whenever, for, for whatever reason why Biden decided to name her as his VP, um, the, basically the left has been waiting for this. They've been waiting for a moment to kick him out of office mm-hmm. because he's basically been anemic throughout the course of his administration. Um, I mean, the writing, and again, this is tying this back into Afghanistan, the writing was all over the wall. I mean, as early as early July, um, that basically the government would collapse, that the Taliban would take uh, Kabul. And Biden even went on the record saying that a Taliban takeover is not inevitable. Um, But then we have, you know, later... (sighs) (laughs) <laughs> just in this in the course of a few weeks they end up taking the entire country nearly yeah i mean it, it was truly just mind-blowing to see it when it broke out like what two weeks ago at this point i think we've been through just over two weeks of this of this insanity in afghanistan i mean it was nuts uh, i think friday was it friday or it might, might have been sunday i can't remember but when this whole thing really started to melt down and I was just like, you've got to be kidding me. And, you know, I even remembered Biden saying like, what, a couple months ago, maybe not even that long ago. Oh, there's, there's, (laughs) there's no need to worry. Afghanistan's fine. We can pull everything out and it's going to be fine. And the exact opposite happened. And, you know, people immediately started to point to Saigon under Jimmy Carter but if you look at... This is 10 times worse than Saigon. This oh, is yeah. Because that was, cause it was like, what, 70, 70 Americans in Saigon that got left behind? And we're initially talking like... It was, initially, it was 400, but overall, it became okay, yeah. it down to like 70. But yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we're, we've been in the thousands here. Uh, tens of thousands uh, oh, actually, at yeah. first. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's been absolutely crazy. And just the complete, utter... You know, incompetence seems like just doesn't really scratch the surface of what it is because, you know, at first it's like, man, they really screwed it up. But as the events have been unfolding so far, I mean, it, some of some have wondered, and I've been among them, how much of this is just incompetence and how much of this is planned? Like how much of this is, well, we knew this was going to happen, but oh, well, um, some some might some might even say malevolent to a certain degree because tying this back into that list it's like well and biden even in a way kind of backhandedly um confirmed that his administration gave them that list and essentially and even his own generals are basically saying yeah the biden administration basically put all those people on a kill on a kill list Mm -hmm. um and it just it goes to show you that this can't this can't just be incompetence like no. this isn't just incompetence this is this is borderline making deals with the Taliban in order to like in if for some reason because they think that their interests are going to align um it's it's absurd and uh, now granted you know i absolutely think that this is impeachment worthy but the, oh, yeah. the issue the issue i think we're going to run into is how much worse is a Kamala Harris presidency going to be? Um, because, <sighs> and you and I have kind of talked about this briefly, Kamala was one of the least popular 
candidates the DNC had to offer during 2019. I mean, she Tulsi was one of Gabbard the first ones to drop out. <laughs> yeah, because Tol- Tulsi Gabbard, all Tulsi Gabbard had to do was just be like, all right, here's a record. And everyone yep. was like, oh, that's pretty shit. <laughs> yeah 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 oh man yeah those those first couple debates especially where she just got demolished because at first she was like towards the top because she she took ironically enough the reason that she was like oh could she be the front runner is because she went after joe biden on busing and Mm -hmm. It, it's it's amazing how these people will just say some of the most heinous things about other candidates and then end up working with them. I mean that's I mean that's politics for you, but it's still it's just yeah. I- irony to see. But yeah, I mean she was so disliked; her own party did not want to vote for, her. and she was from California, and she couldn't win there. Her polls were so she, low; she there. could not she could not she couldn't even win her home state. And mm-hmm. I think, and I think her becoming president will, I think her becoming president will single-handedly, basically, completely eliminate any form of faith that people have in our electoral process if it's not been completely shattered already. Yeah. Because once again, the least popular candidate the DNC had to offer will have thwarted the entire electoral process in order to become president. Because that's that's essentially what she's done. She knew Biden was on his way out. Like oh, yeah. any any person with half a brain cell knew that that was the case. She was just waiting for it in the weeds for the right moment to. And, and again, it's just so it's just so coincidental that she just happened to make a flight out to Vietnam and talk about all this LG, LGBTQ rights, whatever nonsense mm-hmm. that they're uh, dealing with over in Vietnam. It's funny how she took that trip right as all of this. Has has kind of start to hit the fan. Yeah, and I mean, have you noticed how much in the shadows she has been lately, especially with this mm-hmm. Afghanistan debacle? I mean, you are not hearing anything from her. I think she recently did some kind of I don't know if it was an interview or someone just asked her a question, and she did her typical laugh that she does every time someone asks her <laughs> a serious question. It's so annoying. But for the most part, you've not heard anything from her. It's been all Biden and his blundering. And I mean, I, you know, if there's ever time to believe in a conspiracy, it's that Kamala's just waiting. She's just waiting for her time to to get in there and uh, be the president. And I don't think it's going to take much more to uh, convince them to be like, okay, for the good of the country, it's time for Biden to to step down for the next like three three years, two three years. Kamala can take over and run, and yeah. It, well, I mean, and crazy. again, just just going off of that press conference that Biden gave, it couldn't be any clearer that he just physically he is incapable of of doing anything. He can't. Yeah. And so, so it makes me wonder. It makes me wonder if he's going to potentially resign. Because again, mm-hmm. that would fall in line with my um, initial prediction of him ha- him lasting about like nine months into his presidency. Um, well, and that's the thing, like a, a normal president. I mean, remember Barack Obama? He was like one of the youngest, I think, one of the youngest presidents we've had in quite a while. Um, mm-hmm. He, you know, I mean, we all saw the pictures over time of how he just got grayer and grayer. Typically, when 
person becomes president, they look fairly young, and then by the end of it, they look like they've aged 30 years. You know, and Biden's already edging up to 80, and he's dealing with some insanely stressful stuff. And, I mean, some of the schedules that have come out about what he plans to do, I mean, he ends the day pretty early in the afternoon. So it's like if he's not ending the day early, I mean, I, I can't imagine how someone with his pretty evident mental decline is able to handle this this kind of stuff. And we saw when this Afghanistan thing broke out, he was MIA for the longest time. We had Boris Johnson from the mm-hmm. UK. We had, uh, I think it was uh, Merkel from, is it France? Belgium? I can't remember what country. but I think I was, it took him at least three or four days to make yeah. an actual address. Yeah, it's like everybody else was making statements, and we were getting dressed down by other world leaders because of our, not just our ineptitude, but our unwillingness to even say anything. Um, and I, I just, and then when he does come out, yeah, like you said, when he does come out with his press conference, it just takes him forever to finish a sentence like usual, and he just seems like he's exhausted and not really there, and... Uh, it's just that that moment that moment towards the end when he takes that question from uh peter Ducey from fox and he just it's like he's he's crumbling he's burying his head in his hands or almost and it's just like what what is that it's so weird you know <laughs> not even trump folded like well, no. i mean he did, he never really folded to reporters at all no but I, I mean, <laughs> just but, the opposite and, and keep in mind he was not the best in terms of uh, optics professionalism yeah yeah. but even still trump trump never folded to such like and and that question that uh, peter ducey asked was not like a monumentally difficult question no it is obviously had to have been expected that he was going to ask that question yeah (laughs) just the fact that they let him into the room like they he had to have been a pre he had to have been pre-approved somehow because Mm -hmm. all of his press meetings and conferences and stuff have predominantly been like pre-approved well yeah Um, and he's he's like the only reporter peter ducey that actually challenges this administration right now so you know it's yeah i i just so many words so many words i mean I, I don't know, you know. He he tried to come out and uh, do you love you love? I always love it in a leader when they say I take full responsibility. But uh, my predecessor, yeah. it's my predecessor's fault. I mean, Obama did that like for the first four years of his presidency, especially. Everything was Bush's fault. Every single thing was He's Bush's fault. Been eight, it's been and, eight months into his presidency, and yeah, you can't argue that he didn't have. And and also the idea that that Biden isn't culpable for anything regarding Afghanistan is the the most brain dead thing I've ever heard because he's he's held nearly 9 years of executive office mm-hmm. and not to mention all of the time that he served in uh in Congress you're going to tell me not to mention that he he bloody supported the initial invasion of Afghanistan like back in 2001 mm-hmm. so you can't tell me that he isn't culpable or responsible for any of this. It's just well, and, and not just that, but if for the past eight months, seven eight months, he's been bragging about doing away with all the Trump policies and all these executive. I mean, he's he's done more executive orders than any other president at this time in history. 
Oh yeah, and that's getting touted all, around. All been to do away with all the Trump stuff, and yet now all of a sudden, well, it was Trump's plan, and we had to go along with it. No, you didn't. <laughs> you like, really you didn't. didn't. No, if you if you held such a if you had such a problem with the way Trump was doing things, you would have just not st- stuck with his original plan in regards to Afghanistan. And I don't even he, he, think that his initial plan was to do this. <laughs> well, yeah, no. Yeah, no, definitely. <laughs> uh, the, the most baffling thing is how they pulled out the troops before they pulled out the citizens. You know, And I get that exactly. there's some American... I mean, there's missionaries over there that... Voluntary, voluntarily went over there knowing how dangerous it was but like the ones that that didn't go over there to be missionaries you know that you, you pull them out before the troops and they had to send troops back in and I, i've lost count i lost track of where we're at even now with the evacuation i think the kabul or the kabul airport has basically been shut down um, because it was shut, it was shut down for a, a period of time because the um, the Americans were steadily losing control of the uh, of the airport, mm-hmm. and then there was there was kind of a ceasefire order given, and so now I think the airport is back up. Okay, but now we've been having to commission commercial airliners to fly people out of there. But even still, I'm very skeptical um, that these five thousand to six thousand troops that. Biden has deployed for evacuation efforts, you know, quote unquote, are solely there for evacuation efforts. Because, I mean, you and I both know Joe Biden's track record. I mean, there's never been a war that the man didn't smile at, you know, like, <laughs> yeah, whether it be Syria, whether it be Iraq, whether it be Libya, whether I mean, he he can he can come he can later go on the record and be like, oh well, I regretted certain decisions or I warned Obama not to. Um, you know, do this. But again, we have such an insane track record for him of just proliferating the the military industrial complex that it's just like, I I don't understand how the left can be so hardcore against the proliferation of the military industrial complex. But then you elect arguably one of the main architects for it. Like, I don't understand. (laughs) It's unbelievable. Yeah, it, isn't it crazy how we were going from like these truly historic peace treaties with Middle Eastern countries uh, just like shortly before Trump left office and now we're looking at a potential new war? Um, yeah, exactly. It, it's it's nuts. It, it's truly nuts. And I tell you, the, the, the videos and the photographs of the people that were just, you know, the, the ones that were running up to the the american jets to try mm-hmm. to get out it was just like man it's it's nuts and i guess what 13 i think we're up to 13 or 14 uh u.s military members killed um in that in one of the bombings a few days ago mm-hmm. it, i mean it's just can i, I can't imagine and not being, to mention that we had we had warnings of those attacks as well ugh, yeah I, I can't imagine being one of those family members that I mean, here's about this happening to like your your spouse or your brother. Or your you know, it's it's insane. Um, knowing that this did not have to happen like this, um, and I, I know that. And and here's the ugly truth. Unfortunately, 
there's not much you there's there's not much way you can effectively pull out completely without some sort of casualty but just from what i've gathered if we would have pulled out say in like the winter when it's like several months several months Mm. before the height of the the terrorist activity in the summer you could at least get have the the army the afghan army have enough time to prepare some sort of defense but i don't even know at this point if that would have been effective just based on how easily they've been overrun so i don't know well, in May 1st, the May 1st was supposed to be the original date that we were supposed to pull everybody out. Mm-hmm. But Biden, for whatever reason, decided, oh, we're going to extend it to September 11th. And everyone was just like, what What the hell? Like, why, why, why did you extend it for 9-11? I guess, I guess because he probably thought it, there'd be some sort of symbolic victory in that or whatever, but... Yeah, I'm Jesus. I'm kind of concerned that there's going to be some sort of attack, whether it's here or whether it's in one of our embassies on the 20th anniversary. I just I don't know. Uh. Well, and it and it's and it's funny that you mentioned that because apparently earlier today, um, they were able to intercept a attack that was going to be launched on the airport earlier today. I, 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 from what the intelligence agency is. Uh, uh, and telling us right now at least that it was a truck full of uh, suicide bombers and that they were uh, essentially planning on um, making another attack on the airport mm-hmm. so so I know neither of us are by any means military experts but I am curious what you think um, as far as you know if we had if we had pulled out, no matter how, no matter when or how we would have done it, um, you know, what what should be the stance as far as our military interventions? Because you've got the one side that is just like, don't pull out ever. We need to nation build, which is what we've basically been trying to do for the past <laughs> two decades, and obviously yeah, that's worked out so well. Um, but then you've got then you've got another side that is you know don't intervene period, um, which I think to some extent I mean our our founders warned against you know interventionism and the police state and you know constantly being all over the world and trying to interfere with everybody else's problems. But is there a middle ground where it's like? You know, there there comes a time to really pull out, and people, if you really want to be free, you've got to work for it yourself, kind of like we had to <laughs> back in the day. Well, yeah, and, the, and it's funny that you mentioned that, because recently, a couple of years ago, um, I think it was Pew or somebody, but they did a, a, a survey over in Afghanistan, and I think somewhere around like 85 to 90% of people in Afghanistan want Sharia to be implemented. Mm-hmm. So it's not like so so to to kind of answer your question though like to me and maybe I'm using hindsight as a bit of a, a crutch here more or less but we essentially went into Afghanistan thinking that Osama bin Laden was holed up there mm-hmm. but it actually turned out you know he was hiding out in Pakistan and then it kind of molded into oh well we're gonna bring Western liberal democracy to a 
hardcore, uh, heavily tribalistic uh, region uh, of uh, radical Islamists. Mm-hmm. Um, sorry, I've got some in my eye there. Um, but yeah, but yeah, that was that was essentially what it molded into was oh, we're gonna bring Western liberal democracy to this um, incredibly divided and um, isolated region of nomadic uh, is like tribe uh, Isla- Islamic tribes, I guess is if you could really uh, yeah. classify it as that. Mm-hmm. Um, it was inevitable. Like it was never our endeavor to create a centralized form of government there was just impossible because if you know anything about the region you know that a lot of the a lot of these like cities and villages and tribes and stuff are very borderline hostile to one another there it's not like there's no one unified um like nation or country operating in there um they're all kind of broken up into their own things. So the idea that not only of centralizing government, but also that you are going to have people completely ditch Sharia uh, as opposed to taking up Western liberal democracy was just, it was never going to happen. And we're, we're only further seeing proof of that by with how quickly the Taliban have taken over now i don't know that this is where it gets into the like how how long will the taliban be able to maintain control of the country i have no idea um but they seem to have done a better job of it than we have in the short amount of time of them taking the city um but in terms of whether or not we should stay or be there i i honestly i really don't think I really don't think that we should have ever really even have been there in the first place. And granted, of course, I'm I'm not one for the um, proliferation of the military-industrial complex because this is very much, it very much seems like our initial invasion was more so as a, a means of opportunity to um, scale our efforts to increase our ability to trade and deal arms across, um, across like uh, with other nations more or less. Yeah. Um, that, that it, because again, we, we've seen this countless times, whether it be in Syria, whether it be in Iraq, um, any form, any place where we have created some form of occupation, it's always been under the guise of Liberty but on the backhand, it's for the sake of dealing and trading in weapons, um, and 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 of course all of the hardcore um, neocons and and neoliberals will say no, that's just um, <laughs> propaganda. But it's like we've seen reports of that obviously not being the case. Um, but but yeah, no. To to to, to answer your question though. Um, I don't think there was any scenario of us ever being able to actually successfully nation build within Afghanistan because 
you can't just impose Western ideals and beliefs and principles on a region that is fundamentally against those concepts. Yeah, because the, the people there, they're not, generally speaking, they're not interested in the kind of system we have here. They're used to... Mm-hmm. They're, they're used to the kind of system they have there and the kind of lifestyles and, and religions they have there. So why would they all of a sudden say, hey, let's have let's have a representative democracy and let's let's do all these these Western ideas here. That's just not how they operate. And so I, I don't you know, I, I think we have plenty of history to, to show that trying to impose our own beliefs, on countries in that way not only does it not work but in some ways it it festers up antagonism towards us because we're being seen as invaders almost to certain people mm-hmm. and I, I just i don't mind having some sort of like presence as far as monitoring the situation making sure that there's no like actual plans to initiate another attack on us that kind of thing but having like thousands of troops stationed there and just having constant a constant presence there i don't think it, especially at this point shows that it that's not going to work um i understand initially going there when we thought osama bin laden was hiding there but when we found out that's not where he is we should have pulled out <laughs> we should have pulled out and yeah exactly and instead our mission changed and it was no longer about finding Osama bin Laden in Afghanistan it was hey let's let's see what all kinds of stuff we can do here and and develop here and it just that doesn't work so anyway yeah, and uh, um, and just just add one more quick thing on top of that you know a lot of the arguments coming from a lot of uh, neoconservatives and le- neoliberals uh, for us to continue to to stay there um, is that, oh, well, don't you see, all these women are being oppressed, All the, which is horrible, absolutely, it's mm-hmm. awful. But we can't, here's, here's the thing, and, I, and you, you, you might agree with me on this, but I don't think it is the U.S.'s place to be the world police. Because if uh-huh. we dedicated ourselves as being the world police, and it very much, with, with, the way, with the current position we're at with NATO, it seems we are doing very much a majority of the heavy lifting. Oh, yeah. And so the idea that we're just going to be the world police and stop all these injustices and, and, and again, nation build in these uh, incredibly oppressive regions, quote unquote, um, when a majority of those regions want those um, religious, um, religious principles and laws set in place, it's just, it's, it's, it's kind of meaningless. It's, <laughs> there's, yeah. there's no, it's all it's all constructed under the guise of making money off of the military industrial complex. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I mean, I think no one nation should be responsible for correcting the injustices that are happening on the other side of the world. I mean, that that just doesn't work, especially when you have cultures and belief systems that they just that's just what they know that's what they tolerate and i'm not saying that Mm -hmm. i mean there's nothing wrong with missionaries other people being allowed to go and and like say hey you know if you want to you know 
try this other thing you can i I don't know how that would work but actually like Mm -hmm. spending a huge amount of our resources across the world doesn't make any sense and we i am firmly in the belief system that we need to take care of our own problems here and not spread ourselves out so thin that we end up making mistakes like this or not being able to take care of our own problems here and leaving ourselves vulnerable so yeah i'm in full Mm -hmm. agreement with you there um but yeah i (laughs) Uh, Lord knows, Lord knows where we'll be on this, uh, on this disaster in the next couple of weeks. It's, uh, just getting more and more interesting, but, um, oh man. So what do you think about this? Just kind of wrap up a little bit here. I'm kind of curious your thoughts, um, on the Supreme Court ruling to overturn the, um, eviction moratorium on late renters uh they decided last week to strike down this uh pandemic era eviction moratorium that really the cdc tried to you know institute which they have no authority to do that and then i guess uh, the supreme court ruled no sorry you you cannot do this and so uh the eviction ban is set to expire on october 3rd you know, it's it's quite interesting seeing the uh, the attacks being leveled at the landlords. Um, but it's like from from what I've seen, I mean, they're not exactly making a ton of money right now either. And if you yeah, have, I this... mean, if their if their tenants are unable to pay rent, then they're unable to make bills on their end too. So it's like it's not like they're exactly, you know. it's not like they're financially benefiting from any of this either yeah yeah it just i've never understood how they've been able to get away with that and because i think the i think the supreme court had already made the decision yeah you can't do this and they just ignored it anyway um and then they came back and said no you really you cannot do this we're striking it down um it just goes to show you how much it just goes to show you how much diminishing power that the supreme court actually has and that it has more so become a symbolic um just kind of a, a symbolic representation of our government rather than actually enforcing um actual actually carrying out the law right um yeah which i mean the supreme court was initially set up to be you know a little more than you know deciding what is constitutional and what's not um it was never meant to be this like actual governing body and we've essentially Mm -hmm. turned it into that with issues that people care about so like you know marriage equality and abortion and immigration Mm -hmm. you know we want the supreme court to to decide all these things yet when it comes to stuff like this you know we well we obviously can't we we just ignore what the supreme court says so just who cares you know it's yeah exactly become another political arm and again it just kind of goes back to what i the point i just made earlier it we're not even taking care how can we be expected to you know promote 
Western values, which I mean, the left doesn't even like that term anymore. Yeah, um, I mean, the, le- the left is fundamentally against how can like, how can we ex- democracy? <laughs> yeah, how, how can we be expected to promote that around the world, and yet we can't even get the most basic fundamental stuff? I mean, we can't even decide, you know, what's a man, what's a woman, and yet. Yeah, we end up spending more time arguing about what a social construct is versus the actual conversation. And then we go out and say, hey, Taliban, we're calling on you to have a more inclusive government. And they're like, really? (laughs) Well, and again, you know, don't get me wrong. This is not an endorsement of of jihad or Sharia, but um, it it is very telling how unified, how dogmatic... The Taliban, the Taliban is for Sharia, for Islam, um, because you contrast that with, and again, of course, this is, uh, I guess, more or less comparing apples to oranges, but um, you know, but let's let's be more narrow specific. Like the fact that the Taliban, the Taliban are so unified and dogmatic for Sharia versus what we the the weight that liberalism holds in our country now it's a polar opposite um and it just goes to show you just how dramatically the west is continuing to fall Mm -hmm. um yeah no i i agree and uh it's it's something that will will definitely continue to be engaged in and and discuss but I mean, something's got to give eventually. We cannot just keep going down this path and expect everything to just keep operating like normal because, you know, we're we're getting into territory where we're just trying to fundamentally change the way nature works, the way human nature works. Mm -hmm. And we're just trying to say, oh, no, I mean, it doesn't need to operate that way as long as you feel differently. It's like that, that doesn't work. But... Anyway, um, I think that's going to wrap it up for our show today. We uh, took took some time to discuss some world events and uh, took some, some time away some from from the you know movie situation, which I'm sure we'll delve more into on our next episode because there's actually been a decent amount of content that's come out in relation to that. So we'll have to uh, talk yes. about that next week for sure and. Uh, I don't know, take some time away from the more heavy stuff. <laughs> that would be nice. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, thanks for uh, joining us today. Be sure to give us a like and a follow on whatever major platform you listen to us on, be it Spotify, Google, Apple. Uh, we would certainly appreciate your follow and your uh, five-star rating and review. That will definitely help us out with getting more eyes and ears onto our podcast and uh as always we have enjoyed spending our time with you and have certainly enjoyed you taking time out of your day for us and uh we will catch you next time take care everybody see you guys